Man, I had to leave more often. <laughs> it's good. Hey, uh, it's good to see you all. It's good to be home too, right? Kind of getting settled back in again. Jet lag is like a weird experience. Any of you experienced jet lag before? Like more than one hour? It's like you wake up in the night, you don't even know where you are. Like you don't know which direction the bathroom is. That's scary to me. But uh, I think I'm finally getting a picture of where I am. Uh, Just a couple of quick pictures for you. There's the baby. Eight pounds, ten ounces. I had that wrong. I told somebody two. And uh, that's a peaceful picture. (laughs) But... uh, I don't think I'm going to say any more about that because they might be watching this or see this, you know. They have to live with it. But uh, we did have a good time with all the kids, and, uh, you know, that was the whole purpose to see if we could help out a little bit, and and I think we did. And uh, so, but it's good to be home. Hey, let's open our Bibles to the book of Micah, if you can find it. Use your index if you need to. I want you to be turning there now, if you can. We finished our study in 2 Timothy, and we're looking now back to one of the minor prophets. But I want to, uh, before we get started in that, I want to talk a little bit about the Old Testament. Because I think, I think we're, our knowledge and understanding of the Bible has, as a society, gotten to be less and less, and, and we think... You know, I think we, we need to understand about the Bible and as, as much as we can. And you, have a, and you have this kind of thing about the Old Testament. Well, people understand about Jesus and Bethlehem and the, and the baby in the manger and all that. And, 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 but the, the Old Testament is kind of like, you know, out of reach. I can't really go there. I can't really understand what's going on there. But, but I, I really believe, and I've... And I've been, you know, reading the Bible for for a long time. I really believe that it's the Old Testament is is just as important as the New Testament is. It's God has given us both. Of course, the New Testament uh, reveals the Savior, the Messiah, and the Old Testament predicts the Messiah. So, but they go hand in hand. But I, one of my goals, I think, is just to to uh, make the Old Testament. Uh, accessible, just to understand kind of like what it's made of, because if you think about it, it's 39 books, right? If you just think of this giant 39 book thing, but, but I, and I, and I taught this many years ago, but the, there's really five sections in the Old Testament, okay? And these are the numbers here, 5, 12, 5, 5, 12. Can you say that with me? 5, 12, 5, 5, 12. It's very simple, when you look at it like that, so there's five sections, and they have these numbers, of, and those are the numbers of books, right? And that, if your math is quick, you can see that adds up to 39, okay? So we've got these five sections, and these are the main sections that are in the Old Testament. You have the law, also called the five books of Moses. You have uh, 12 chapters of what they call history, okay? Then you have five books of poetry. An example of poetry is what? 
Psalms as a book of poetry. So, and then, and then we have uh, major prophets, five books, and minor prophets, 12 books. Now, can anybody tell me why the 12 are called minor prophets? They sing in a minor key. No, they're shorter, that's all. That's the only difference. doesn't mean their message is any less important. It's just they're shorter. That's the, that's the only difference here. So, so I, I'm going to... Um, we're going to de- develop some new bookmarkers that have these, this information on it so you can have it, too. And, and, and we're not going to do it today, but it's a good thing, too, to kind of go to your index and, and mark the sections off so you can see this is this, this section is this, this, this section is this. And it makes, for me, it, it makes a whole lot more sense. It makes, instead of try to find some book and, and it's lost in all of that, and, and then you can start to understand what the sections are all about and, and how it's put together. Because, it, you know, it was done uh, in a very kind of, you know, understandable and, and systematic way. So today, uh, and I've been doing this going back and forth between the, the, the letters of Paul and the minor prophets. And so we've already done Hosea, Joel, Amos. We've done Obadiah, and last time we did Jonah which is like my favorite. And so now today we're going to look at Micah for the next number of weeks. I'm not going to look at every single verse, uh, but kind of get an idea of what, of what this book Micah is all about. So you've already turned there. Hopefully, Micah is one of the minor prophets again, as we've looked at that breakdown. And before we look specifically about Micah, the, the big picture is this is about this idea of prophets. We have the major prophets, the minor prophets, and, and basically the message is this. The big picture of the book of Micah and this really this whole section, these two sections, is that the prophet was someone who spoke from God, right? Someone who spoke from God. We, we've read it before in 2 Peter where he says this, that that prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along or moved by the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit moved these prophets to speak from God. When you look and you, and you read these prophecies, these books, uh, there are some sections, some parts of it that were speaking to that time, and there are some parts of it that were speaking to many, many years into the future. We think of prophecy, we always think of prophecy as like something that's going to happen in the future. But these prophets also spoke to their day and to their time. They had kind of a dual uh, uh, purpose, you see. So you say, well, you're, you're making this sound like a class or something. Well, it's important. I want you to understand what we're looking at here, you see. And, and we need to understand, we need to learn about the Bible, learn how it's put together and what it's, what it's all about. So these prophets, they would speak from God, and, and you know, it wasn't an easy job being a prophet. Did you know that? It wasn't an easy job being a prophet. In Second Chronicles, it says this, although the Lord sent prophets to the, to the people to bring them back to him, and though they testified against them, they would not listen. 
So, you, so, so to be a prophet, you spoke from God, you, you challenged the people, and the, the whole purpose was to bring the people back to Him. You see, God's whole heart is that He would have fellowship with us, with people. That's what God wants. And it's really born out of His love, and He sent His Son so that we might be reunited and, and sin would be taken care of and dealt with. But this was their... This was their message. The message of the prophets was to bring the people back to God, to call them back to God. Now, uh, that was certainly a message, and Micah was speaking to the people of that day. Do you think Micah has a message for us today? By any chance? Is it possible? I think so. I think we need to be called back to God just as much as the people of Micah's day and maybe even more in, in some ways. I like what uh, one commentator, Boyce, from Philadelphia, uh, said. He says, the minor prophets speak so directly and powerfully to present sins. He says, it's, it's just not possible to read them carefully without having one's life challenged and without determining to go out and live differently. There's the word, these words that are written here, they present us with a challenge. Again, as we look at it, we say, well, Micah was speaking to those people in that day. And this is the, the way of, of the Bible for all of us. We read it, we try to understand what he was saying, what it was all about. But then we need to apply it to ourselves. If we never get to the step of, of application to ourselves, we're, we're, we're only going part of the way. And God, God, God's word is for us today. Otherwise, it's just a book of, of, you know, old stuff, right? History. And we just say it's back for then. No, the Bible says about itself is that it's living and active. It's alive today. It's alive for you and for me today. And God speaks to us through his word. But we, what? We have a choice to listen, don't we? We have a choice. We have a choice to hear what God's Word is saying. We have a choice to listen. We each have a choice we can make whether we're going to listen or not listen. You ever talking to somebody and you, you decide, I'm, not, I'm just not going to listen to what this person is saying to me right now. Any of you ever do that? No, not me. I always listen to what everybody has to say. Some of you that are married... Need I say more? I'm not going to listen to you right now. And, and you know, we, we, maybe we even nod our head and kind of like, oh, yeah, I'm listening, and you're not, you tuned out like ages ago, hours ago, minutes ago. People, one person said, people always have a choice. The choice is to submit to God when he speaks to us through his word, or to submit bent over in shame as circumstances crush our pride. We're going to submit to him. We are going to submit to him. So we, we either do it willingly by choice or through circumstance, through judgment, really. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. He goes on to say how wise to submit to God willingly and let him lift us up. How foolish to arrogantly resist God and make him crush us. 
So we have a choice to listen, and, and really that's the, 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 uh, the title that I have for chapter 1 here, is that we have a choice to listen. Are we going to listen to what God has to say? Not just what he says here in this chapter, but in the whole Bible, and, and as God speaks to us through his word, are we going to listen? Are we going to soften our hearts? Are we going to harden our hearts? The, the people of Israel were talked about so many times where they hardened their hearts. And they became stiff-necked, and they would not listen. They would not receive what God was trying to say to them. One side note I wanted to, uh, to mention about this idea of prophets is the question, and people ask the question, well, are there prophets today? Are there prophets today? I want to say, well, it's not quite the same. It's just not quite the same. Those that God spoke and specifically uh, spoke directly His Word, that we now have as the scriptures. But having said that, Ephesians 5.11 does seem to speak and to indicate some type of prophetic role. So, uh, again, it's not, it's not the same. It's not speaking forth scripture like uh, we understand these prophets have written here in these books. But somebody who would, who would speak forth the word of God, what God has already spoken in a powerful way, maybe to affect a generation, to affect a circumstance, affect a people, I think uh, it may be. What scares me, though, is when people begin to take titles for themselves. That scares me. Well, you can start calling me Prophet Rich. And, and, then, and then you take on this kind of uh, uh, authoritative role and start telling people how they should do everything they should do. And that's scary, right? So please don't call me that. It's a big responsibility. I don't want that responsibility. So Micah. Who was Micah? That, that's a good question, right? Micah. This guy, we, he is not just the name in a, in a book here. He was an actual person, a living human being. And he, he shared uh, that time with another guy named Isaiah. Have you heard of him? Isaiah was a contemporary of Micah. There were two other guys also during that time, one named Hosea, another named Amos. Now, Hosea and Amos, they were... In the northern kingdom, you know the history of Israel, they were a united kingdom and then they split apart. They had the northern kingdom and then they had the southern kingdom. And, and so Hosea and Amos were in the northern kingdom. Isaiah and Micah were in the southern kingdom, although many times those in the southern kingdom would also speak to those in the northern kingdom as Micah does. Isaiah, he was kind of like... A, he had a lot of influence. He had a special place. He, he was an advisor to the king. Uh, you know, he was just in, the, in those kinds of circles. That's who he was. Micah, on the other hand, he was like from this small town out in the country. He was like a farmer, a farmer preacher, a country preacher. So you have these different people. And again, it's fascinating when you look at these guys' lives and, and realize these were real people. They were different. They had different roles. They had different uh, lives and lifestyles, but God used them. That's kind of encouraging to me because we're all different in this room, right? I think so. Look around. I mean, 
Does anybody look like you? <clears throat> We're all getting nervous now. <laughs> Nobody could look like me. Micah, this country preacher from a small town. What's the point? Look at, look at what the, the big point, what I, I want to point out to you here is Micah chapter 6. If you want to turn there, Micah chapter 6, verse 8. Again, this is all by way of introduction to this study in the book of Micah. Micah chapter 6, verse 8. He has showed you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. To act justly, to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. That's the whole point. That's you know, the bottom line of what he's trying to reach in our lives and the lives of the people there, that they would act justly, they would do the right thing. That they would love mercy, but they would be humble before God. That's where it all starts, to walk humbly with your God. That's the big point. But there's also a big hope that I find here in Micah, and turn back to Micah chapter 5, verse 2. This is the big hope, and, and this is uh, something we looked at uh, as we go through the Christmas season, of course, Micah chapter 5, verse 2, the prophecy, again, speaking way, way ahead in the future. He says, But you, Bethlehem, Ephrata, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. Who's he talking about here? Jesus, of course. So we have this hope, and, and, and again, this is written some uh, 700 years before the birth of Christ. 700 years before the birth of Christ. There's a whole other study about prophecies that were written in the Old Testament that were fulfilled, and, and, and the, you know, the odds that they could possibly, that many prophecies, be actually fulfilled is, is, is staggering. But this is just one of them here in Micah. We find this nugget in the middle of this uh, little book in the, in the Minor Prophets that the exact place where Jesus would be born is prophesied. The exact place where he is, would be born is prophesied. So let's turn back to Micah chapter 1 and, and, and we'll, we'll begin there. Micah chapter 1 verse 1 it says, The word of the Lord... The word of the Lord that came to Micah of Moresheth during the reigns of Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. The vision he saw concerning Samaria and Jerusalem. The first thing he says is this is the word of the Lord. And again, uh, the prophet speaking that this is a message from God. And when God speaks, what should we do? We should listen. If it's a word from the Lord, if it's a word from God, we should listen to what God has to say. Otherwise, we are gonna, we're, we're going to be in trouble. If we don't listen to what God has said, what God is saying, we're going to be in trouble. It's a word from the Lord. We should listen. There was a commercial a long time ago when, I think it was when E.F. Hutton speaks or something like that. Yeah, he was some financial advisor or something. When he spoke, you should always listen. But... Who knows whatever happened to E.F. Hutton? Like, he's probably dead and gone by now. 
But God is alive, and he's speaking to you and to me. This word of the Lord that came to this guy, Micah, and again, it was, it was over a long period. He says it was during the reigns of Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah. These are all kings of Judah, and you can read about these kings. It's fascinating to read their stories. In fact, I'm reading right now in 2 Chronicles and, and reading these about these particular exact people that Micah, again, was a prophet during that time. It's over a period of about 50 years uh, the reign of these three kings was from about 740 B.C. to 686 B.C. So it's about over 50-year period that, that they reign. Now, perhaps he, didn't, he wasn't active during the whole reign of the first and the last, but definitely a good portion of that. Jotham was an okay king. Ahaz was a horrible king. Hezekiah was a very good king. You read about these guys. In the northern kingdom, they didn't have any good kings. They were all bad. In the southern kingdom, there were some that were good, but there was a whole bunch that were bad too. So, so he is now speaking during this time where you have, again, this long period of time. A good king, a bad king, a very good king. You know, the circumstances would change. The whole nation would be affected by the leadership of these kings. And he's speaking during all this time in different ways. He spoke here. Notice it says he had a vision concerning Samaria and Jerusalem. Now, Samaria was the capital city of the northern kingdom. And Jerusalem, of course, is the capital city of the southern kingdom. So he's speaking and, and he's reaching out to both the northern and the southern kingdom, though he was primarily, because of what we read here, primarily in the southern kingdom. Okay, is, it, is it making sense to you so far? Okay. Don't worry, we're going to get to some, some parts that uh, are going to affect you. In fact, look at verse 2. He says, hear or listen, O peoples, all of you, Listen, O earth, and all who are in it, that the sovereign Lord may witness against you, the Lord from his holy temple. It's very clear to me when I read these verses that what he's talking about here doesn't just apply to those people then, right? He says, O all of you, O peoples, all of you, and God's word is, is not just for those people. It's... We do that sometimes. Well, you know, we'll read a verse and say, well, that kind of applies to that guy over there, and he's the guy that that's, that really is for. But, but what about for me? God's word applies to me. I fit into this category here, too. All you people, all who are in the earth, it's not just them, it's us as well, isn't it? But notice he says that the sovereign Lord... The sovereign Lord may witness against you, the Lord from his holy temple. So I just have to ask the question, and, and this is the personal part where, where I think we, we need to begin to apply, even from right now, is, is does God have anything to say to us? Does God have anything to say to us as a group of people? Does God have anything to say to each one of us as an individual? Does God want to speak into your life? I believe he does. 
Now, what is he going to speak to you about? What is he going to speak to me about? That's all as varied and personal as an individual as each one of us are. But, but God wants to speak into our lives. Because, why do I say that? Primarily is because I know by experience that we haven't arrived yet. I know by experience I haven't got there yet. Paul, Paul talks about it in Philippians. He says, you know, I haven't got there yet. I haven't, like, got it all together yet. So if you, maybe perhaps you have got it all together. If, if you do, can I speak to you afterwards? I'd love, maybe, maybe you could help me out a little bit because I, I'm still kind of struggling. After uh, many years of being a believer that I don't, I don't have it together yet. I know that uh, perhaps some of you are, are disappointed by that. Um, but the fact of the matter is, is that we're all on a journey to, to walk closer to, to Jesus. We're all on a journey to, to follow him more closely, to get to know him better. And it doesn't, it doesn't happen in one day. It, it's a whole lifetime. It's a whole lifetime, and, and that's why, you know, we continue to seek after the Lord. We continue to read His Word, because we haven't gotten there yet. So, all that to say is that, that God has things that He wants to speak to us if we are willing to listen. That's, again, it's a choice to listen. Will I listen to what God wants to say to me? Will I listen? Look at verses 3 and 4. He says, look, the, the Lord is coming from His dwelling place. He comes down and treads the high places of the earth. The mountains melt beneath him. The valleys split apart like wax before the fire. Like water rushing down a slope. All this is because of Jacob's transgression. What a picture that he gives here of, of the Lord coming down, isn't it? The power of the Lord as, as God intervenes in, in the nation of Israel. If you look at these pictures here, he's coming down, he's treading on the high places of the earth. Uh, Boyce said this, that it, it was intended to be terrifying. Again, you know, getting to know who God is. I think we, we understand that God is a God of love. He is. But he's also a God of power. And I think sometimes we only focus on the parts we like, Right? But, but God has a sovereign power, a sovereign will. And it says he comes down he, and the mountains melt beneath him. This God of power, the valleys split apart like wax before the fire. The only thing that you and I can do is humble ourselves before him, this mighty God. That's, that's the bottom line, as I said earlier, like a 6-8. Why is he coming down? Verse 5 says, all this is because of Jacob's transgression. Because of the sins of the house of Israel. What is Jacob's transgression? Is it not Samaria? What is Judah's high place? Is it not Jerusalem? Why is he coming down? Why is he intervening? Because of transgression, because of sin. Because of not following after him. Not going the way that he is told us is the right way. Now let me ask you this. Do any of you sin? First John, he talks about, you know, people who would say, you know, that, that they've gotten to the place where they never sin anymore, right? 
He says, if any of you think that you never sin, you're deceived, he said. You have no clue. So what separates us from God? It's our sin. It's when we go the wrong way. We make the wrong choices. We do the things that we know that are wrong, according to what God has spelled out for us in his word. He talks about the high place here. He said, you know, Samaria and Jerusalem, the high place. The high place would be a place of idolatry. High place is a place of sin, of of turning away from God. And that's what our sins do. They turn us away from Him. Idolatry in its its, uh, essence is anything that takes the place of God in our hearts. That's what idolatry is. Whether it's a job, whether it's a relationship, a car a sport, anything that takes the place of God within our hearts, that's idolatry. Say, well, you know, I'm not an idolater. Well, I, I, I venture to say that every one of us has some kind of idolatry happening in our lives. Say, you're calling me an idolater? Yes, because I know by experience that, that we all have these things. We, we go after these things and we put them on this pedestal and, and, and the place that only God should have. Half the time, the idolatry is me. I'm more important than God. I take the place. I sit on the throne. High place. What's the high place in your life, in my life? Look at verse 6. He says, Therefore I will make Samaria a heap of rubble, a place for planting vineyards. I will pour her stones into the valley, lay bare her foundations. All her idols will be broken to pieces. All her temple gifts will be burned with fire. I will destroy all her images. Since she gathered her gifts from the wages of prostitutes, as the wages of prostitutes, they will again be used. What is he talking about here? Samaria. The capital of the northern kingdom, he says what? The judgment is coming. I'm going to make Samaria a heap of rubble. He's going to do something, right? He's going to do something. Destruction. The idol's broken to pieces. Did that happen? It did. It happened. It was literally fulfilled during Micah's lifetime. It happened in 722 B.C. Again, the the numbers uh, for... For the kings, just pull that out here, was 740, roughly 740 B.C. to uh, 686 B.C. So really, it was about, what, 16 years, 722, 18 years? 18 years uh, into this time where Micah was prophesying, roughly. We don't know exactly when he started again. But the northern kingdom, during Micah's life, this prophecy was literally fulfilled. Judgment came. Judgment came on the northern kingdom, literally fulfilled. The northern kingdom was taken captive by who? By the Assyrians. The Assyrians came in. They took them. They, they took them off in exile. And the truth is that the northern kingdom was never again established. Never, never again. Why? Why? Because they wouldn't listen. They wouldn't listen. 
It didn't have to happen. God warned the people again. The, 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 the verse I said, God sent the prophets to bring the people, turn them back to him, but they wouldn't listen. It didn't have to happen. And it's the truth today, you know, the things that we pursue and go after that are, that are not right, that are, that are wrong, bring fruit, right? Whatever a man sows, what? He'll reap. We're going to reap. But it doesn't have to happen that way if we listen, if we'll pay heed to what God was, was saying and, and is saying to us as individuals. If we'll listen, they didn't listen. Look at verse 8. He says, because of this, and this is Micah speaking now. He says, because of this, I will weep and wail. I will go about barefoot and naked. I will howl like a jackal and moan like an owl. For her wound is incurable. It has come to Judah. It has reached the very gate of my people, even to Jerusalem itself. This is like the heart of Micah, isn't it? He says, because of this, I'll weep and wail. He didn't want it to happen. He wasn't on some trip like, you know, well, look, look what's going to happen to those people up there. You remember Jonah? We studied Jonah, and Jonah was kind of like that, right? He was, he was happy for Nineveh to get destroyed because he didn't like them. He didn't want to go do that, but God said, no, you're going to go. And, and the, the people turned in that, at that time. But Micah, he says, I'll weep and wail, I'll howl and moan. He saw what was coming. You remember when Jesus came to the city of Jerusalem, what did he do? It says he wept over it. He says, because he knew what was coming. Because they wouldn't listen. Micah grieved and he identified with his people. Warren Wiersbe says this, The prophet wept the, the way that you would over an incurable patient in the hospital. Somebody you know and, and the, the, they're in the hospital and they, they have a, a diagnosis of being incurable. It's very sad. That's the kind of feeling that, that we see here in the prophet Micah. Which brings us to the question is, is that heart of Micah, do we have a heart like that? Do we ever weep over sin? Do we ever weep over our family? Do we have a, a concern about others? How about over our country? Do we have a, a heart of, of, of fear and trembling, moaning? That's a big question, isn't it? That's the heart of Micah, and I think that's something that God wants us to be thinking about in, in terms of our own lives. Are we, do we have a heart that's sought before God and, and, and caring about other people around us, especially those of our families? The next section, we're not going to read the, 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 the next verses there, but verses uh, 10 through 16 he talks about town after town after town. And he goes, from, he goes from Samaria, the northern kingdom, and then he begins to apply it to the southern kingdom where he, where he was. It got closer to home. Got closer to, to home. And for you and I, it always gets that way. It gets closer to home. So people can listen, right? This is the idea. People can listen or people can ignore we can listen to God's word 
or we can reject God's word. We have a choice. You have a choice. I have a choice. Sad to say that most of those that were prophets, most of them who spoke, they were rejected. They were ignored. Jesus talked about it too, didn't he? At times he said, you know, I sent prophets and what they do, they killed them. You know, they rejected them. They didn't listen. And that's really what happened. That's kind of like the history of it. Hosea and Amos, as I said, they were prophesying. They were speaking to the northern kingdom. And the northern kingdom in 722 B.C. got taken away into exile. Obviously, they were ignored. They were not listened to by the northern kingdom. Micah, interestingly, Micah was ignored for a very long period of time, many years. The northern kingdom, obviously, they didn't listen to what he was saying here. But there was a time when Micah was listened to, many years later. Micah was listened to by this king, Hezekiah. Boyce said this, he said, Micah preached for 16 years without succeeding. 16 years with no fruit. He says, that's a long time, but at the end of it, success came. Have you prayed for anybody even half as long as that? Have you prayed for somebody for eight years? Have you mourned for a son or daughter, husband or wife, a relative or neighbor for even 10 years? Have you grieved for our country for even five? Micah, he had this heart, and it it wasn't just a one-time emotional thing. It was a heart for people, but it was over a long period of time, and he prayed, and he spoke. But eventually, fruit came. So the, the message in that really is that you and I... To to not give up. Don't give up for those family members. Pray for them. Have a heart for them. Those neighbors. Those people around us. That's what my hope is all about, isn't it? So Micah was listened to at some point, and I want you to turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 26, because Hezekiah... Hezekiah listened. Jeremiah chapter 26, verse 18. Now this is, Jeremiah's writing, you know, some uh, hundred years or so later. But look, look what he says here in Jeremiah 26. Verse 18, he said, Micah of Moresheth, the guy we're talking about here today, prophesied in the days of Hezekiah, king of Judah. And he told all the people of Judah, this is what the Lord Almighty says, Zion will be plowed like a field. Jerusalem will become a heap of rubble. The temple hill a mound overgrown with thickets. Did Hezekiah, king of Judah, or anyone else in Judah put him to death? Did not Hezekiah fear the Lord and seek his favor? And did not the Lord relent so that he did not bring the disaster he pronounced against them? We are about to bring a terrible disaster on ourselves. Jeremiah is using the example of Hezekiah and Micah saying, listen, they listened. Will we listen? 
Can we listen now and avert the disaster that's coming? You see, Hezekiah listened and the disaster was averted. They were spared. For like over a hundred years, they were spared. But there came a time when the people would again not listen. They refused to listen and rejected God's word. And the time would come when, when judgment came. In 586 B.C., the southern kingdom was taken captive. They were taken into exile. By who? The Babylonians came. Again, the Bible is, is an incredibly fascinating book. They went into exile, and then we have people like Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther, which are parts of the books of history, where, where the people were then coming back to reestablish and rebuild. But Hezekiah, Jeremiah tells us, Hezekiah listened, and he humbled himself. He humbled himself, and he turned back to God. Even though, and, and as, you, as, you read, as you read the history of these people, Hezekiah, remember I said that Ahaz was a really, really bad king? Ahaz was Hezekiah's father. He was wicked. He was horrible. He was bad. So Hezekiah turned things around. He humbled himself, even though his own father had turned away wickedly into all kinds of wicked stuff. We don't have to repeat the sins of our fathers, by the way. We hear that in our society. Well, you know, it's just, you know, you're just doing what, you know, it's genetic even. You know, after when I became a believer, I, I, my father was an alcoholic. And I, I said, you know what, I am not, I'm determined not to follow in the footsteps of my father. I don't have to be like him. Why? Because I have Christ in my life. I'm, I'm a new creation. God is doing something new in my life. So we can listen. You and I can listen. We can humble ourselves before him. Peter said it right. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. We can listen. We can humble ourselves. But it's a choice. It's a choice. It's a choice I make. God, I, I'm going to humble myself before you. I, I, want, I want to live for you. I want to follow you. I want to do what you say. It's a choice that you and I have to make. Let's pray together, shall we? Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. It's hard-hitting. It's... it's uh, very serious at times, but Lord, I know that it's because you love us that you gave us this word. And you so desire that, that we would have fellowship with you, that we would turn to you, that we would always walk with you and, and really kind of reestablish what it was like back in the garden when Adam and Eve, before sin, entered. And they walked with you and they talked with you. And I know that's what you desire because you love us and you loved us so much that and you desired it so much that you sent your son, Jesus, to die upon the cross to pay for that sin, for our sin. As we simply humble ourselves before you and receive all that he's given to us, we reestablish, we renew that relationship.
Father, we're all sinners. We're all sinners in this room. And, and we need you more than ever. We come, we confess our sins. Your word says if we confess our sins, you're faithful and you're just to forgive us. Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Lord, we need that desperately. We need that every day. Lord, help us to make the right choice. To fight this fight. It's a fight against our own flesh wants to make the wrong choices. The, the world around us is, is clamoring for us to make the wrong choices. The, the enemy, the devil, has is, is got a whole program that would take us away from following you through lies and deceit. God, help us to make the right choices, to follow you, to listen for your voice, to hear your voice, to follow you. God, I pray for each individual here. Lord, I don't know. I don't know what each person is going through, but I, I know that you're alive and, and well and wanting to speak into our lives. I pray that we would listen for you, for your voice. Jesus, you said, my sheep know my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Lord, uh, that we would listen for your voice. We would choose to listen, choose to obey. I pray here too, Lord, for any that maybe don't know you this morning. They don't know the love of Jesus. That's you. You can open your heart today and, and invite him in and and. He will come in and give you a brand new life, a brand new heart. Pour out his love upon you. Give you the strength that you need to live. Prepare you for the future. For all those who believe the future of heaven. All you need to do is open your heart and submit to him. Surrender and say, Lord, I come. I, I ask you into my life today. Please come in. Be my Savior. Be my Lord. In Jesus' name we all pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Amen.